0: The global economy is facing its worst downturn since the Great Depression of the 1930s, prompted by a crisis in a market that makes the world go around – money. Governments and other authorities appear powerless to halt the deepening recession as credit dries up. But can the banking system be fixed or does the crisis signal a fundamental flaw? Radio New Zealand's business editor Patrick O'Mara reports.
1: The economic picture is bleak. Along with the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund warns the global economy is likely to shrink for the first time since the Second World War. The Managing Director of the IMF is Dominic Strauss-Kahn.
2: The crisis hit hard the population in the advanced economy, but they will kill the people in low-income countries.
1: Jerry Jordan is a former member of the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank. He says this is no ordinary slowdown. The garden variety type of recession is brought about by uh, inflation starting to be a problem, so the policy makers decide that it's time to tighten up a little bit and cool things off and kill inflation. That's not this one. That's the type we saw for 50 years. This one is the falling off of a cliff kind of a uh, contraction. New Zealand is not immune.
3: The mayor of Clutha, Juno Hayes, says international conditions are laying waste to the timber industry. His comments follow Winstone Pulp International's announcement of job losses at its Blue Mountain lumber mill. Union officials
1: Figures out later this month are expected to show the economy has contracted for the fourth successive quarter in December, and the pain is set to continue as firms cut production and households reduce spending, afraid of losing their jobs and income. Speaking at the Jobs Summit in Auckland late last month... The Reserve Bank Governor, Alan Bollard, said this is the biggest destruction of global wealth the world has ever seen.
4: There's $2 trillion lost in the banking systems in the Northern Hemisphere so far. Equity markets have lost massive amounts. $30 trillion is what it would take if you handed it out in the third world over the next 30 years, you would take everybody out of poverty zones. That's how big that is.
1: And underneath the misery and bad news is a splintered global financial system, which is broken and is failing to provide the lifeline firms and households desperately need credit a director at milford asset management brian gainer
5: explains the importance of credit it's absolutely essential i mean we 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 would be a much poorer society if we didn't have credit and a good banking system because i put it in simple terms the hundred dollars that you have in your back pocket is just a hundred dollars but if you put that into the bank You still have $100, but the bank can lend $90 to someone else, so your $100 becomes $190, and it gives capital available to someone else to be able to use that capital, hopefully wisely, but it creates the process of creating capital out there.
1: Banking crises are not new. The US, Sweden and Asia are some that have suffered bouts in the last 20 years. But Brian Gaynor says banks have gone too far in recent years, creating too much lending out of each dollar, Without proper regulatory scrutiny. He says the financial products created to do this, like collateralized debt obligations or CDOs, proved
5: too complex and too obscure for any rational person to make sense of. They're securitized debt instruments, which mainly they packaged up with a whole pile of different uh, either mortgages on on them or corporate debt, and they packaged them all together and they sold them, and there might have been 2,000. Different companies are mortgages in each one of these products. And these are sold. They're not sold through any conventional market, so we don't know who the ultimate owner of these CDO products is. And the person who buys them doesn't have the time to look behind the 1,000 to 2,000 securities that exist within these. So they're very complex. They're very untransparent in many ways, not only as to who owns them and how they're traded, but what is exactly inside in those products and the mix of them. With
1: banks refusing to trust one another and lend, firms and households are finding it difficult to get the money they need to keep their businesses going or buy the house they want. The blame for the breakdown is widespread. Gareth Morgan at Gareth Morgan Investments says excessive debt in the mainly Western world has been a major catalyst.
6: It's been building up really since financial deregulation took hold in the late 70s, early 80s across the world. Cumulatively, the debt levels for a lot of the first world have just continued to accumulate. They've been funded by China, the OPEC countries, and some of the emerging market surplus countries. But there's these huge imbalances in the world, both between households, between countries. And finally, the straw that broke the camel's back was that in America, we're really sourced I suppose, but we're all guilty of this, is that you had sufficient numbers of people who couldn't service their mortgages for the system to start ricocheting backwards and the the lender saying, oh my God, how am I going to get my money out of here?
1: The Director of Research at the New Zealand Institute, Benedicta Jensen, says bank lending practices became lax, particularly in the United States.
0: Financial innovation allowed the banks to immediately on-sell their mortgage books and this mortgage book was then packaged in securities and marbled together with a lot of other more robust investments. So the mortgage lender sitting in his office with his client thought, well, why should I really monitor whether this person can repay the mortgage because next day I'm going to be able to on-sell it to a broker or a financial bank. So the incentive was to get quite lax in, in your lending policies.
1: The US Federal Reserve under Alan Greenspan has also been criticised for keeping interest rates too low for too long from 2003 onwards. Gareth Morgan says central banks worldwide have also been culpable.
6: Banks will do whatever's required to make a buck. In other words, if you give them a long enough piece of string, they'll sort of rope, they'll hang themselves. So I would actually sheet the blame back to the central banks, actually, who allowed the prudential ratios of the banking system to deteriorate markedly over the last 20 years. The last 20 years would be the worst standard of central banking we have ever seen, and I include in that New Zealand.
1: In this country, the major Australian-owned banks, which make up 90% of the financial sector, are feeling the pinch, due to the shrinking economy and relatively expensive overseas funding. And while there's been grumbles about tighter access to credit, the latest reserve bank figures indicate lending rose for farmers, firms and households in January compared to a year earlier. A partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers, Paul Skillander, says this country's banking system is fairly sound as it avoided indulging in what he calls the originate and distribute model or packaging up mortgages and on-selling them to investors as was done in the US.
2: The banks in Australia and New Zealand are well positioned because that has been the primary basis for their operating models over the last decade. So whilst they have got some element of originate and distribute, they've got far less of that than, say, US and European banks have. So, in a sense, that might have been one of the reasons, together with the fact that the economies here have fared a little bit better than some of those others.
1: Brian Gaynor says Aussie ownership of the country's main
5: banks has been a bonus. I hate to admit this, but in actual fact, I think one of our advantages is the fact that our banks are Australian-owned, because that means they're bigger, because our banks really only represent about 10 to 20% of the, their parents in, in Australia. If we had New Zealand-owned banks and they had borrowed as much money as our banks have borrowed offshore over the last 10 years, we would have more difficulty than we have today. A former Reserve Bank Deputy Governor, Adrian Orr, says the
1: central bank should also take credit as it found a balance between regulation and allowing financial market innovation.
2: The New Zealand banking system is, I think, in a, a very good shape. In large part, because there's been a nice balance between what I would call that market discipline, where where banks who operate here have to be very transparent in their operations, self discipline, where the managers and directors of those banks have to attest and are responsible for all of the actions that are happening in the banks. You know, the market and self discipline has been very good. But also the regulatory discipline has been pretty light-handed and hasn't really ridden shotgun over those individuals' responsibilities.
1: But Gareth Morgan is not so sure, saying debt-fuelled spending has left New Zealand banks vulnerable.
6: In the old days, to buy a house you needed a 30 to 40% deposit. Today, you basically require none, maybe 10%. And bankers, when I've criticised that, bankers have said to me, oh no, Gareth, we don't worry about collateral anymore. we only concern is the cash flow of the borrower, the household. So as long as we've got a good cash flow, we're happy. And I've sort of said, hang on a minute, if we get a recession, which you do get periodically, as the system has to cleanse itself, it doesn't matter what your cash flow is, your chances of being thrown out of the work are the same as the next guy's. So what happens when that cash flow immediately dries up? You, the bank, have to go and sell up the house in order to pay back the depositors where you got the money from. But you've lent 100% of the value of the house, say. So in a market where everybody's doing that and the value of the houses is falling, then suddenly the banks are not going to be able to recover enough money to pay their depositors. Technically, they're unsolvent. That's the problem.
1: Gareth Morgan says the finance company sector collapses in New Zealand are a smaller but timely reminder of the dangers to investors and taxpayers of reckless financial behavior.
3: Today does mark the beginning of the end. The beginning of what we need to do to create jobs for Americans scrambling in the wake of layoffs.
1: The beginning of what we need to do to off the worst effects of the downturn. Pumping about 2 trillion US dollars into their banks and economies, providing a fiscal stimulus of some 2.8% of global gross domestic product. But former US Federal Reserve member Jerry Jordan says there's no sign it's working at the moment. I don't think that there's much belief that these kind of actions can restore the level of economic activity that we had just a couple of years ago. But the contraction is continuing. Jerry Jordan says the key is stopping the decline in U.S. house prices because lenders will remain fearful of making a sound loan until that happens. The New Zealand Institute's Benedicta Jensen believes President Barack Obama's administration is on the right track. She says the next step is for the U.S. government to buy up the bad assets on banks' books that are hindering credit markets.
0: What's getting in the way at the moment is people don't really know whether an institution is going to be solvent the next day, so they don't want to trade with them. The government in the US wants to create a bad bank where they're going to buy the toxic assets of all these financial institutions that have gone into trouble and sort of cleanse their balance sheets so that people have the confidence to start trading again and once you get the financial system moving that will support the real economy and we'll
1: see a return to growth. But U.S. economic commentator Peter Schiff says government intervention is a mistake.
7: The problem that we're in now is the consequences of all the times in the past where the Fed has has pursued these, these, these temporary artificial stimuli uh, to try to short-circuit Uh, the the natural forces of the market you know sometimes you need to go through some short-term pain you know you know it's like if you're if you're high on heroin and you want to you know get healthy you're gonna go through withdrawal and you know we need a period of economic withdrawal we need to get that drug of cheap credit out of the system Americans have to live within their means. We have to spend money that we have. If if an American wants to buy a new car, he needs to save his money until he can afford it. Uh, We don't need to go deeper into debt to buy more consumer goods. That's the source of our problem. That's not the solution.
1: Nevertheless, it's hard to see how any government would consider letting important financial players collapse, as the waves could swamp already fragile economies. The New Zealand national-led government is desperately seeking its own solutions but admits its plans, such as more tax cuts, speeding up infrastructure projects and a nine-day working fortnight, will only take the edge of the deepening recession. The Finance Minister, Bill English, says the government is also looking at ways to make the economy as responsive as possible to react to the downturn.
2: Whatever you call it, a flexible economy that can absorb these losses and get on with growing again is what we're all looking for. And that's why we've got a longer-term focus on increasing the flexibility and the productivity of the economy, because that's how we'll replace the wealth that's been lost, particularly by a lot of older people. It can only be from profitable investment and replace the jobs that are inevitably going to be lost.
1: At this time, authorities have concentrated on bailing out and protecting their banks. Those who caused these problems have not had to answer for their actions – despite public outrage, particularly in the US and Europe, at the millions in bonuses still being paid to bankers. That concerns commentator John Tamahiri. Here's the problem we've got. The
4: people that created it are now supported significantly by those that are being hurt most by it. And so we taxpayers are now subsidising extraordinarily bad behaviours. And behaviours, really, that you'd have to say in most other countries
1: would see a lot of people locked up. The Secretary of the New Zealand Council of Trade Unions, Peter Conway, says unions are particularly aggrieved. Unions are incredibly bitter about this,
3: but we're determined to be constructive, and that's why we will work as closely as we can with the national government (laughs) around jobs, and protecting jobs, creating jobs, and supporting workers laid off. But if you want to ask how we feel, we feel bitter, because if you look at the international union literature and our conferences, we've been saying, look, these levels of leverage are crazy. We've been saying that paying the average CEO in the Fortune 500 in the USA 365 times what the average worker is paid is getting way out of whack. And it was 23,000 times the average pay when you looked at the hedge fund managers. We were told that we didn't understand the sophisticated nature of the market, the way these models worked, financial product innovation. I think we understood that something was seriously wrong and we weren't listened to.
1: So is the free market in need of an overhaul? there has been a clamour internationally for more regulation to counter the failure of the banking system.
4: Let us agree at our G20 summit in London in April rules and standards for proper accountability, transparency and reward that will mean an end to the excesses and will apply to every bank everywhere and all the time.
1: For now, concrete proposals are thin on the ground as governments have other priorities. Economist
4: Brian Easton. The world's in a ship which is heading for the rocks. The tide's strong, the wind's strong, the tiller ain't working. And the captains of the ship are desperately trying to keep us off the rocks. Supposing they save us, let's be optimistic, then they will have to turn their mind to how to prevent this happening again. So I think we're in that stage. The size of the crisis that's facing us is enormous, and the urgency of dealing with it so that people aren't thinking about
1: long-term strategies at all. Most agree the financial system needs to be tightened up. The CTU's Peter Conway says the liberalisation of money markets has shown how dangerous it can be to the real economy when things go wrong. Those who wanted
3: less government now want more, particularly when it comes to bailouts. Those that wanted less regulation have shown that without adequate regulation, they do very dangerous things in the finance markets and that spills over and affects the real economy on a global basis.
1: The Finance Minister Bill English believes governments will act. Confidence in
2: an unbridled financial system has certainly taken a knock that things that look clever have turned out to be disastrous and you will see a developing political consensus to, I think, regulate in ways that are going to prevent those excesses.
1: The New Zealand Institute's Benedicta Jensen, who spent time in the Los Angeles office of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, warns regulation needs to be open and transparent to be effective. She points to the US as a case where a tangle of prescriptive rules has not worked.
0: The irony is that in some ways they almost over-regulate. They put hundreds of people in to a bank. You have hundreds of people from the Federal Reserve Bank system, and then you've got the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation putting in a team, you've got state regulators, and they're going through with a checklist. The checklist, as it turns out, didn't include some of the more important (laughs) financial innovations, and it gave the directors of the banks kind of a false sense of security. Well, you know, we've got all these regulators going over everything in fine detail. We don't need to worry. Now, on the other hand, there wasn't enough regulation of the non-banks, the investment banks, who were getting into um, financial intermediation that they'd never got into before. So you had this sort of hopeless morass of overlapping regulators not regulating the right thing. And in a way, because of the crisis, I think the US now has an opportunity to actually clean up the system and get it right.
1: Certainly, previous ideas about reigning in capital, derided at the time, may be looked at afresh. Brian Easton says an approach like the Tobin tax which was designed to reduce the effects of speculative
4: capital on an economy may gain some converts. Tobin pointed out that the finance markets spun much faster than the product markets and you can think of it like a car with the wheels on the right side going spinning very fast and on the left side spinning slowly and he pointed out that the effect of that was to actually screw the direction of the car and what he proposed is what's known as the Tobin tax which was essentially, as his words, was put, put a bit of grit into the gearbox to slow down the fast-spinning side of the car because you couldn't get the, the, the production sector any faster. We economists were always interested in this sort of argument. I always thought it a very reputable argument. And I think you'll see the Tobin tax will be one of the things that will be coming back onto the agenda. Brian Easton says the role of capital
1: controls particularly for countries without sophisticated and deep capital markets and used effectively by Malaysia during the Asian crisis of the late 1990s, may also reappear. Australian economist Steve Keane goes even further, saying the financial system needs to be dismantled and rebuilt to do what it's good at, providing working capital to real businesses.
7: At the moment they're trying to bail out effectively what a colleague of mine, Michael Hudson in the States, calls a parasite, the financial system. And we've persuaded ourselves by letting it get so big that it's an essential part of the system as it is currently constituted. It is essential, but its essential role is to finance real working corporations, not to finance speculation. And trying to preserve them by all these bailouts is just basically keeping the parasite alive while the host dies. Now at some stage we're going to say, let's get rid of this parasite, rebuild the financial system, and that will involve large-scale reductions in debt levels.
1: Steve Keane says economic theory which has been heavily influential in underpinning government policy, must also take its share of the blame, and a rethink is needed.
7: This obsession with trying to prove that the market reached equilibrium dominated economics, except for some twists in the classical school, right through to now, and certainly when the neoclassicals took over, they were obsessed with trying to prove the market reached equilibrium. It doesn't. Get over it. What it does do well is cope with instability and... That instability can be creative if it's about innovating products and so on. It's destructive if you let it happen in the financial system. And by promulgating this myth of stability, we had economics positively dismantling all the elements that controlled the financial system to stop it generating wasteful, excessive instability.
1: The banking sector, with the prompting of new government owners, looks set to return to its traditional role. A partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers, Paul Skillender, believes banks will become smaller and simpler, face stricter rules and become more focused on home
2: markets. You'll see a shift away from that originate and distribute model, which is where banks originate the loans and then distribute them to investors, to a model now where banks will originate and manage a lot more of their own loan exposures. And I think in that respect, the banks in Australia and New Zealand are well positioned because that has been the primary basis for their operating models over the last decade.
1: The global nature of the modern day finance system is also raising calls for a global response. Brian Gaynor.
5: There's no question in globalisation we do need a world central bank. Um, We don't want to have too much regulation but we do need a wise body who has got the resources to be able to look at what's happened over recent years, particularly the development of the securitised debt and uh, derivatives markets. And the first thing we need, as far as those markets are concerned, is far more transparency. So at least we need to know the amount of instruments that are out there, uh, what prices they're trading at, who's issuing them, who's the ultimate owner of them, and that's the first step. Peter Conway from
1: the CTU agrees, saying many financial players exploited the gaps in the regulatory system to create wealth for themselves out of nothing.
3: I'm a little bit more of a fan of global supervision where there can be early warnings that can say, look, if there's something that's just taking off here, is this a genuinely beneficial example of financial product innovation or is this just a rort? And actually, when you look at what was happening with these companies, they were rorts, they were flimsy, they had no assets backing them up, they made a lot of people a huge amount of money, but they were reckless, and and why would we let
2: people be reckless like that again?
1: Price Waterhouse Coopers Paul Skillender says he's upbeat about banking in this part of the world.
2: I think the banks here will come through this pretty well, and I think globally, we will end up, we'll find ourselves with some of the strongest banks in the world in terms of um, their relative positioning and uh, ability to access funding. And, and I don't think their business models are fundamentally broken, and therefore, I don't think you'll see the same radical change as you will say in the U.S. or Europe in terms of the banking system.
1: Brian Gaynor would like to see the banks here lend less on real estate and more to the
5: productive sector. Hopefully, uh, this will be an awakening to the banks that they have to have a more diversified lending portfolio. One of the things we badly need is the banking system to lend more to small businesses, but not that the uh, lending is secured against the residential home of the owners, because that puts a huge burden on the borrowers if they are a company. But I, I think, generally speaking, our banks are in good shape. Our finance companies, of course, still aren't, but our banks are in pretty good shape here. Most commentators
1: say they don't see the end of the capitalist system arising from the financial crisis. Brian Easton says just because the financial system is in trouble, it doesn't mean a wholesale change is
4: required. If we go back to the 30s, there was an enormous debate which was really those who said the capitalist system was faulty and had to be replaced. And typically the models they had were something like um, the Soviet system And Keynes said, no, it's not the whole capitalist market system that's wrong. There's just one bit of it, the financial system. And he said it was like having um, the magneto as a part of the electricity system in your car, faulty. So you didn't have to actually junk the whole car. You had to fix up the magneto, and that was the monetary system. We're not, at at this stage anyway, saying we have to junk the whole system. We have to replace the car with a bicycle or something. Again, the, the Keynes notion of the magneto has come forward again, that there is one bit of the system which is very faulty and has to be fixed up. And the chief executive of the business roundtable, Roger
1: Kerr, says this is not the time to revert to trade barriers. I think that is a risk around the world. Um, We've seen um, some small steps in that
2: direction, or attempted steps. We've seen um, moves in Europe which have to do with agriculture and our interests there. We've seen um, the threat of um, Buy America type of um, programmes. This was one of the big lessons of the Great Depression, of
1: course, that protectionist beggar-thy-neighbour policies um, seriously worsened the crisis at
2: that time. Um, One would hope That um, those lessons have been well absorbed Um, but we've had suggestions here that government procurement should be skewed to domestic firms. I think the world has to be um, worried about
1: such possibilities um, because uh, there's no question they would compound the problem. Most say they don't want to see greater safeguards be used as an excuse for trade protectionism but the CTU's Peter Conway says it's time to put trade within a bigger picture of what is important to people such as labour standards, the environment and the ability of governments to regulate in the interests of their people. There's an option about
3: the world cooperating, about the big challenges, whether it's about nuclear arms, climate change, rules of global finance, fair rules of trade. Either we cooperate about that and recognise that people around the world actually pretty much want the same thing, you know, in terms of their livelihoods, in terms of being able to bring up their children, in terms of their relationship with with uh, nature, etc., etc., um, and democratic rights. Either we go that way, or we say, well, we just retreat back in and be as protectionist as possible and defend our little patch, try to create a little bit of paradise there. That option, I think, is gone, but that's the way the world will go unless we can get more cooperation on
1: a broader basis than just trade or just finance. The only clear sign is that the financial world will change and take on a more sombre form and the cheap money from Asia which funded the boom of recent years is over. There's also no doubt that any meaningful change to successfully create a sustainable financial system must have America at the heart of it. But commentators like Gareth Morgan warn that New Zealanders cannot afford to be complacent, as high debt levels and falling international demand mean things will get worse before they get better.
0: That programme was written and presented by Patrick O'Mara. Technical production was by Colette Chapman and the producer was Sue Ingram.